Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. The holiday season with its dizzying lists of demands, parties to host and to attend, gifts to buy and wrap, traditions to keep, treats to bake, decorations to put up and maintain, not to mention your own personal desires for heavenly peace, can bring unwelcome stress, anxiety, and even depression to the mom who would not otherwise suffer from these at other times in the year. But for the mom who already struggles with anxiety and depression, the holiday season can magnify feelings of loneliness and despondency, even hopelessness. The holidays can be a trigger for past wounds and losses. So today, Kate, September, and I want to have a raw discussion around the table about our own struggle with anxiety and depression and share some physical and spiritual tools that have helped the three of us during some really dark times in our lives, including the holidays. I'm gonna be really honest here, ladies. Anxiety has haunted me for a great majority of my life. It's never been constant, but it's been something that seems to always linger in the fringe. Even as far back as when I was seven or eight years old, I can remember being diagnosed with ulcers brought on by anxiety. I was a really scholastic child, always on the Dean's list as a student. But the fallout for me, for all those academic accolades, was the pressure to maintain that status all the time, to stay at the top. So when I was in the second grade, my teacher got permission from the school district to send me on to the fourth grade class to do some advanced work, specifically in the the realm of language arts. And with that one small decision, my teacher bumped the bar even higher for me. And I ended up in this tailspin of stress which eventually landed me in a clinic with an ulcer diagnosis. And I was only seven. So I'm wondering if you girls have experienced anything like that through the years. Do you struggle with anxiety or maybe even depression? I have struggled with anxiety and depression, but not in the same way that you did. For me, that was never who I was. I was never that anxious, nervous, worried person. I was that tough, snap out of it, get over yourself. But for me, about four years ago, it was in the in January of 2016, anxiety just descended on me. I mean, it just it felt like a cloud just came over me. It was the weirdest thing. And I remember we had friends staying with us at the time. And I said, you guys just need to pray for me because I don't know what's happening. And they they prayed. And I remember my friend who spoke Psalm 91 over me. And that Psalm, and, that, and we'll talk about some scriptures that I used, that I'm using now to really help me through this. That really helped me for, for several months. It kind of like knocked it out and I was good. And I thought, okay, that was just a, a weird little aberration. And then a, a few months later, it came back with a vengeance. And for me, it was just one of those things that I, I couldn't get over. It was quite debilitating. In fact, I could barely function. I couldn't eat. I had great trouble sleeping. I remember um, losing five pounds in one week and it wasn't anything I was trying to do. I just simply could not eat. Nothing tasted good. I'd have to sit in my husband's office just to be near him during the day because I didn't know what to do. I couldn't do anything. It was, And for me, that's just not me at all. So it was quite weird. And about, I guess about four or five months into it, a friend who thought she was doing a good thing said, well, why don't you just get on the lowest dose of Xanax? It's going to really help you and you'll feel fine. And so I took her advice because she's she's very much into natural health and all that. And I thought, okay, I don't even know what this is, but I'll take it. And I got on it. And for me, it was not a good medication. And seriously, anybody who's listening, I have no judgment for anyone who takes anything for anxiety because I know how debilitating it is. But I learned very quickly that was not going to be a good choice for me. I just, I did get addicted to it for about a year, but then I got myself off of it in 2017. I found out later that Xanax is the drug they give you when you're having an actual panic attack. And I never had those. I just had that constant, you know, that feeling when a dog runs out in front of you in the car and you, 
slam on the brakes and you have that dump of cortisol in your system, just that panicky feeling. It wasn't a panic attack, but that that cortisol that felt like it was just constantly in my system. It would just never go away. And I'd have these waves of anxiety, but the Xanax did work. I mean, it works within 20 minutes. I felt great, but it was starting to affect my brain. I would wake up and not know where I was. Um, I didn't know what day it was. It, it was just, it didn't do, it just was not a good drug for me. So I did get myself off of it in 2017 and I've been off of it ever since. And I'm finding other things that have helped me that are not medication related. But again, like I said, anyone who's on anything, I completely understand the need for it though. I do think the Lord has given us things. And I think we'll talk about that a little later in the episode, what we can do that can help us deal with anxiety. Cause it's, I just feel like it's sort of the the enemy's weapon of choice right now. So many women that I talk to about this are dealing with it. So it, it's a problem that's out there. And I'm glad that we're talking about it today. I'm so glad we're talking about it too, because, you know, there are people who, and I think also in the Christian culture, it, anxiety or depression can sometimes be a no-no topic to talk about. Um, because it could be associated with maybe sin or not giving your cares over to the Lord. But my personal story is uh, two years ago, 2017, same as Kate. Um, it was like a cloud, just like you said, Kate descended upon me, did not see that coming. Mine though was more of a physical, my body physically had run to the end of its, um, rope. Like there was nothing left in me physically and my body was affecting me and my mind and which affects my heart. And it was really debilitating. I, um, stopped leaving the house. I would just get up and get in a hot tub in the morning and cry until about noon. Um, my husband basically made all the meals. My life just completely stopped for about a year. And I really think I was suffering with depression and anxiety, which seemed like polar opposites, but that's really what was happening. Um, really dark place, felt very alone, even though I wasn't very alone. And um, so that was my first exposure to anxiety and depression. And, you know, after about a year of that, and making a lot of changes, which we can chat about later, it just kind of slowly um, left. And I still have periods of time where I can see something coming and know that I'm going to kind of slip back into that physical, neurological area. And, um, you know, I have to really be careful. I have to really be careful because it wasn't just something that for me that I was born with, or this was something that, that happened to my body as a physical breakdown. So I think it can manifest itself in different ways, but that that's when, um, I was first exposed to this and I still kind of do struggle with, um, anxiety, um, off and on. I have to be really careful to watch for those things that trigger that. It's interesting that you should use the word alone. September, I was reading a case study just a few days ago done by a lot of counselors and psychologists, and they said that the number one impetus for depression really is loneliness, and that really propels so many people in depression. And we're not going to get to that or tackle that in today's episode, but maybe it's something we want to touch on in the future, because I think one kind of leads to the other. I also just want to say before going any further that we realize we are not medical professionals. So any thoughts or advice or tips that we give here today, please take them with a grain of salt. These are our personal stories and your situation will be very unique to you. So we highly recommend you seeking professional help um, from a medical professional as well as a counselor if you feel like you are slipping into a place of anxiousness or depression. I'm wondering... Um, Ladies, as you were sharing your stories, what your thoughts were about your anxiety or your depression, or more so, what were the thoughts and reactions of those around you? Because I think, like one of you had mentioned, anxiety and depression in Christian circles can really carry um, clouds of doom. I think there's a stigma, I should say, in Christian communities that anxiety is associated with a lack of faith or a trusting God at the very least, and at the worst, as a spiritual failure. 
So I'm wondering what was the reaction of those around you? I don't know. I think, um, for me, all I could think of was, well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Why don't you have the joy of the Lord? What's wrong with you? You know, what kind of Christian are you? You can't manufacture this. And sometimes you just can't, you know, sometimes there's just things going on in your life. And at the time, all I could think of was there's nothing changed. Nothing's going on. What, what is wrong with me? But when I look back to that time now, I realize my daughter was about to have her third baby. She was in Nashville. We were in Georgia, so I wasn't with her. We had just put my mom in hospice and we were trying to sell our house. So I, I see it now that those three things were converging to create a lot of anxiety, but I'd always been the person that could snap out of it. I, those things would never have affected me 10 years ago, but four years ago, they just, you know, um, that just that conglomeration of those things just caught, I, I think that's what caused it. I don't know. Cause it just felt like it descended on me, but all I know is they added up to more stress than I realized, which resulted in quite crippling anxiety for quite a while. I mean, I couldn't write. I just could not do anything with my poor husband, you know, and it's been a journey, but, and I'm learning now how to cope with it, but I didn't really share it with a lot of people. I mean, the one gal I talked to told me to get on Xanax, which for me was not a good choice, but, um, you know, it, it just, I, I, for, it was just a tough, difficult time. You know, I had watched a lot of close friends and family members walk through anxiety and depression. It's um, very prevalent in my family. And um, in my mind, I always wondered, because, you know, I hadn't personally experienced this, is the word enough? Is the word of God enough to help these people that deal with anxiety and depression? Because that's what I had been told. But because I had never walked in those shoes, I didn't really know. I really did not know until I experienced it myself. And I was in the word of God. And I, and for anyone listening, I landed in Psalms and I read through Psalms daily about David because he dealt with a lot of anxiety and depression and low and very high moments. But here's the thing, the question about people's thoughts and reactions around me, I was afraid to tell people. And you know why? Because a lot of times from the outside, um, there's a reason. Everyone has a reason, which is fine. We can all come to reasons and opinions why someone might be dealing with something. But I knew in my heart that there were just things in my life that I could not take off the table. You know, I have a big family. I have kids. I can't just stop being a mom. Um, you know, there's some things that I can't say no to. And I knew if I told people I was struggling with anxiety or depression, they would say, well, September, you're just so busy or you're doing too much, or you need to make time for yourself or, but you know what? You can't stop being a mom. You can't stop being a wife and you can't stop living. And that's basically what it came down to. And that's what kept me from telling people initially six months in when I was mentally able to say the words, you know what? I'm dealing with anxiety and depression. At that point, I wasn't doing anything. And so any of those reasons that people had didn't really exist anymore. Um, and sometimes people are right, but it's really hard sometimes to hear everyone's opinions as to why you're going through something. And so I just encourage anyone listening that if that's what's keeping you from sharing that, find a safe person that just will help you through it and not always tell you why you're dealing with it. That's important, but a lot of times you have to come to a place of healing before you can even accept why it's happening um, or even see it. So it was really difficult for me, especially for my husband. We just did not know what this was. We didn't even recognize what it was. I wasn't myself. Um, I didn't act like myself, function like myself, or even think like myself. Uh, and I can remember specifically the first time one of my friends sent me a text in the morning. She's like, September, I haven't heard from you in a while. How you doing? I was in the bathtub. My door was closed. The kids were being homeschooled by someone else. And I said, you know what? Honestly, I'm in the bathtub and I'm just crying. I can't even talk without crying. Tears run down my face 12 hours a day. I don't know what's wrong with me. And she said, I want to help you. She didn't say, well, maybe you should do this or maybe you should do that. She just says, I want to help you and I'm here for you. And she just prayed for me right there. And so sometimes, you know, our reactions, we're concerned about the reactions of others. So we keep it quiet. 
And I remember a few episodes ago when we talked about mom overwhelm, September, you had so many great things to share, some practical tips for moms who are in that place, who feel very overwhelmed by circumstances that they cannot control and cannot detract from. So I'm going to link to that episode in the show notes if you're looking for some really practical tips because you feel like you're in that same spot. I would say for me, the the story that rings um, the most prevalent in my mind about someone's reaction to my anxiety was my junior year of college, just to sort of set the stage for how I spiraled down so quickly. I was a junior, so very young. I actually went to college a few years um, early, so I was probably all of 18 years old. I was taking 22 credit hours when the average student takes 15. I was working for the college and trying to maintain a, an academic scholarship so that I could graduate with no debt. I also had a lot of volunteer hours that I had to get in for my minor after school. So I was, you know, now looking back, I see I was way overbooked. But I remember having anxiety and panic attacks to the point where I was landing myself into the emergency room because of health issues. And the dean of my department called me into her office one day. This was a Christian liberal arts college, mind you. And she sat me down and she said that she felt like my anxiety was a lack of faith and a lack of a healthy prayer life. And you know, nothing could be further from the truth. No one was praying harder over my anxiety than I was. I was crying out to God with deep sincerity. No one wanted me to snap out of it more than I did. And so her words um, of pointing to a lack of faith really just exacerbated my anxiety. And I wish that um, the grown adult Jamie, the 40-year-old Jamie, could have leaned into my life and said, you know, honey, you're just too overscheduled. Take something off your plate. It would have been as simple as that, I really do believe. And her words just kind of added to the stress. I think that's kind of the Christian response often though. You know, you just don't have enough faith because God provides everything you need and there's no reason. Be anxious for nothing. You know, I've prayed that scripture a million times and it 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 doesn't always work instantly like we hope it will and think it will. So, I mean, I, I think that's a typical response you got from your friend, unfortunately, but that's not it at all. I know it wasn't for you. It definitely not for me and not for September that it was a lack of faith or a lack of prayer. So, right. but we're going to have, you know, you just love them and, and move on. <laughs> right. And we'll talk about advice. too, there's often outside extenuating circumstances. Like in yeah. my case, it was just an overtaxed schedule, but there's other factors that weigh into anxiety and depression that we actually can deal with those outside extenuating circumstances. And then hopefully that will carry over into a lifting of our anxiety. I'm just wondering, are there any signs or maybe tells for you ladies that you've come to recognize as those initial warning signs that maybe you're spiraling to an unhealthy place? For myself, some signs and things that I've come to recognize personally as initial warnings that I know really could take me to an unhealthy place are things like I'm triggered by excessive noise, Maybe my thoughts are taking on some negative thought patterns, maybe doubt, fear, not sleeping well, maybe waking up regularly and having patterns of fear and not being able to calm my mind. Like if I'm not sleeping well, I know that my body is tipping. My mind is physiologically not working the way it needs to be working. And in the morning when I really don't want to get out of bed and I just think I just need to lay here a little longer, two more things I've noticed as a mom specifically is when I'm not enjoying my time with my kids as much and I just want to be alone. Like they become to be more than average too much. Like I just, I have to, I have to be alone. I need to be alone. And it's not just, I need some space. I need a break. I just, I want to be alone. And then, and when I'm alone, I really don't want them to come near me or around me because that is just too much. I can tell my body is telling me, my mind is telling me, September, you're close to being triggered into anxiety. Something has to change. You need to try and get more sleep, cut caffeine out of your diet. Like you have to go back and remember the things. And so those are things I have to be presently aware of all of the time. 
I'm so glad you said that September, just kind of admitting that sometimes when you're in that space, you don't um, always enjoy being around your children. And it's really hard for mothers to say those words out loud. There's a lot of guilt that can come with saying those words and how freeing that will be for uh, another mother to hear that when you're in that place, it has nothing to do with your love for your children or your value for them or your commitment to your motherhood. Um, it's just your anxiety triggering certain emotions in you that would not normally be normal. After my third baby, I started having these dizzy spells and the room would start to spin. I'd get lightheaded. And because of that, I'd start to get anxious because I'd think about my big long list of to-dos and know that none of those things were going to get done. And my list would just get longer and longer because all of that dizziness would render me incapacitated basically for the rest of the day. And I would just get further and further behind. But after a while, I noticed a pattern. I noticed that this dizziness would happen right around the time that my body was ovulating each month. And I went in numerous times to see my doctor with this sort of little makeshift calendar that I had made to show him there is a definite pattern here. And he kind of just ruled it out as mama stress. You know, I had three young kids, three years old and younger. And of course I'm stressed out. Of course that would cause dizziness. So drink less caffeine and try to get in more naps, he said. Well, this continued for several months and then I got pregnant again and it went away. And after a few weeks after delivery on that next baby, the dizziness and the anxiety came back. And um, again for my fifth baby. And it wasn't until I switched doctors years later and I was diagnosed with a dangerously low iron count that they realized where all of that was stemming from. So my anxiety was actually linked to this very physical condition that I had. My low iron was causing me to get dizzy, which then caused me to become debilitatingly anxious. I say all that to say this. Anxiety is not just a mental health issue. Sometimes it can be medically induced. It has been found to be the side effect of certain medications or even medical conditions such as hyperthyroidism, cardiac arrhythmia, certain vitamin deficiencies, specifically B12, which I found you know, after my fourth baby and I went through that season of depression, I realized I needed more B12 and um, some of those vitamin D vitamins to get some, some fake sunlight into my life. In addition, I think anxiety and depression can be brought on or even exacerbated by environmental factors. If you're like me and you live really close to the North Pole, you're probably really familiar with the term SAD, seasonal affective disorder, and it is a real thing. It's the fallout of living in a cold and dark climate. It gets dark around three o'clock around here. And in the winter, it will be 30 below. And so I can't just go outside at any old given time and get some fresh air and kind of cleanse my mental palate. So lack of light, lack of vitamin D, and just a general sense of cabin fever in the winter can bring about a seasonal depression, for lack of a better way to describe it. So ladies, you were sharing some of those physical signs, some of those tells that you look for to know that you're going to begin spiraling. I wonder with that, are there any physical tools that you found that help you um, as you have them in your arsenal to um, not prevent your anxiety, but maybe to alleviate some of the negative effects of your anxiety? It's interesting that you mentioned um, seasonal affective disorder, because when we first moved to Georgia after 20 years in Florida, where it's sunny all the time, we noticed that first January, why were we so down and depressed? Mike and I both, and this is before the anxiety hit. And then we thought, it's the sun. We're not getting enough vitamin D. So honestly, we just started vitamin D supplementing, and that helped a lot. And they also have now lights that you can buy. And maybe we can link to it. I know they sell them on Amazon that I'm going to get this year. It's still kind of sunny down here in Nashville, so I'm okay for right now. But it's light that that mimics sunlight that you can just sit near it for an hour a day and it can really, apparently they really make a difference. So yeah, those are those are called light therapy boxes. And, yeah. and you can read the research on it. Mayo Clinic has done a lot of research on light therapy and it really does change the chemicals in your brain yeah. 
when you can have enough sunlight in the day or artificial sunlight. In addition to that list, I've had to make sure that I'm walking every day, if possible, taking a walk, not just for the physical purpose, but for my mind. It's something, it gives me a space, the movement. It's just something that is really good for me. Um, This is something that also that people may not think about, but for me, a physical tool that has been super helpful is processing out loud. Uh, When I tell my husband, you know, I really need to talk to you. He has learned that this means I physically need to talk to you. Not, I want your time. Not, I like to talk. It's, I need to talk about this because if I'm verbally processing these things out loud, it's literally like I'm taking them out of my mind and it's one less thing I'm thinking about alone. And it's one less burden that's adding to my anxiety. So we've been very diligent about him understanding the need for me. And and I have one or two other close friends. So it's not just always my husband, but processing out loud, just being sure that I'm talking about things. Cause sometimes the over analytical mind will cause anxiety when it's something really small. We just need to talk about it. Consistent sleep habits, no caffeine. And also I give myself very purposeful breaks in the day. This is something I never did before. I will literally lay on the couch, put my feet up, even in the middle of school, in the middle of making a meal, put on the music. I just tell everyone, literally, I put my hand up. I'm like five minutes. I just need five minutes. And I close my eyes. So make sure you're giving yourself breaks. Those are some physical things that I do. And if I don't do those every day, then I have anxiety. I have great anxiety. So I have to be very diligent. I have to be very watchful. And honestly, I think that these are just some good basics of stewarding our bodies and especially as moms um, over the years that we forget to do those things. And so then anxiety does sometimes sneak up on us because we have forgotten how to take care of ourselves appropriately. I think that's great advice, even for the woman who doesn't suffer with anxiety. September, I think Even just what you shared about taking a physical break or shifting gears, switching to a different type of activity, like taking a walk after you've sat sedately doing some mental work um, to shift into some new activity really allows your brain and your emotions to reset. I think that's great advice. So looking back when I was suffering from what I would consider at least baby blues, if not a mild form of depression after my fourth child was born, my sweet mother-in-law noticed that I was in a kind of an unhealthy mental place. And um, she pulled me aside and she didn't give me the riot act. She didn't try to hand me a scriptural silver bullet. She just helped me assess my life physically to see if there was anything that could be done physically to help my mental state. And that's when she um, gave me one of those sad lights, Kate, one of those light therapy boxes. She had one. She let me borrow it for that season. It was very helpful to just um, sit and have it on for about an hour in the day as I was doing my regular morning routine to just give me some of that fake artificial light. She also said, Jamie, you have barely any light in your living room. It's depressing even if you're not depressed. So buy yourself a lamp for your living room, an extra one, and give yourself the gift of light. She also recommended that I take some St. John's wort, and that is an herb that has shown to have some antidepressant properties. So it's a natural herb. And I think that that, among all the things that I did, I still take St. John's wort today when I feel like I'm spiraling into a dark place because I have seen almost immediate effects within the day where my mood begins to shift to a healthier place. I also began taking vitamin B12 because that's another vitamin that's often deficient um, in in your system when you are lacking enough sunlight, enough um, fresh air and you feel like you are spiraling to a dark place, I started taking walks outside whenever I could. Obviously in the winter, it's really hard here in Minnesota, but um, I do it when I'm able to. And then one last tiny little change I made to my life was that I found myself a winter hobby. I was really intentional about that so that I could do something I enjoyed during this season that I wasn't enjoying. And 
with the idea that I couldn't necessarily change my circumstances, as September often says, but I could change my perspective in them. So here I was sitting in this dark place of Minnesota winters, and I began to look forward to some of those dark days because I had this hobby that I really enjoyed doing. And I purposed to find a winter hobby I could enjoy just for myself that I couldn't really do at any other time of year. I just want to um, inject something right here before we move forward. Kate had mentioned the fact that Xanax was not a good path for her. I feel like this needs to be said before we go, go any further. If you feel like you have clinical anxiety or a disorder such as OCD or PTSD, or maybe you're struggling with depression, I'd really highly recommend um, seeking some professional help. And like I've said before, and for some that's going to mean um, seeking out a counselor, but for others that might mean some kind of medicinal intervention. Medication can't cure anxiety, but it can relieve the feelings enough to allow you to begin to get the help you need through counseling. So many Christians bristle at the thought that another believer might need mental health medication, and I just don't understand it. Why is it that we think nothing of going to get medical help when we experience a problem with our physical health? Say, like we break our leg or we have a heart condition, but we struggle to validate the need for emotional health. You'd never tell a person with a collapsed lung to just go to church more or read the Bible more or just pray more. All of those are really good and they're all needed, but so is medication and medical help in that particular situation. So while there's no spiritual silver bullet to help with anxiety or depression, I do think that emotional help is deeply connected with spiritual help. So it can't be an either or, it has to be a but and situation. With that in mind, what are some spiritual tools that we can leave our listeners with? What has been helpful to you girls as you um, approach the idea of mental health and your relationship with the Lord? I found a bunch of things, but, uh, but just to go back to what you said about going to a counselor, I've started in the last few months seeing somebody, there's a, a, a I guess she's a psychologist through our church. It costs me money. I go every week, but she's really helped me because I've not been able to get to the bottom of this. It's been almost four years now. And I was just getting frustrated thinking, all right, let me just get somebody that I can talk to that understands this, that can help me maybe see, is there a spiritual root? Is there something in my past, in my family, the way I was raised? And she's really helping me quite a bit. I went this morning before we got on this podcast and it's, it's been a great help. So I would recommend going to somebody who's a professional, not necessarily just a, just a regular counselor, but somebody that, you know, a psychologist actually that understands these issues and can help you with them. So that's just an aside. But I think for me, the spiritual tools, of course, prayer, obviously, that's the biggest thing for me. Bible study, worship, really, especially in, you know, right now, this time of year is a time of gratitude. When I when I start thinking about the things that I do have, the good things that God has given me, it helps me to get out of all the, you know, the things that I wish he would do and that, you know, God, why is this taking so long? But just to have gratitude for what I have today, that has helped me quite a bit. Um, really being super thankful for the things that I do have rather than the one thing I don't. It's not as bad as it once was for me, and I'm getting used to functioning with a low level of anxiety, but the best thing about it is it's made me much more compassionate. What I said earlier in the podcast, I was the, the get over it girl, the one who said, just snap out of it, get over yourself. Well, that me from before rarely cried about anything. Now I can cry at just about everything. I mean, I can't watch a, hardly a TV show without tears running out my face from one little thing that somebody said, but it's made me more compassionate. It's made me more able to identify with others' pain. And I do look at that as a good thing that the hard edges of me, that, you know, Northeastern tough New York girl has, God has really used this to soften me quite a bit. And I hope even as, you know, as I do believe I'll be healed from this, I hope that part stays. I want to stay. I want to keep that tender heart towards another person's suffering, towards their pain. Um, it, I, I mean, I just think that that's 
important for all of us, but particularly for me, because that wasn't who I was before. But one thing, another thing I've implemented just lately that's really helping me is to spend that first 10 or 15 minutes of the day in, in worship, not prayer time, not where I'm asking God for anything, but where I just, I put on, I have a little Spotify playlist of my favorite worship songs from church that really put me in that, in that position of worship. And I just take 10, 15 minutes, listen to some music and focus on God and his goodness. And I'll tell you, that's making a big difference for me lately because it's taking all the focus off of me. Cause you know, we're all about me, me, me all the time. I don't want to be about that. I want to be about the Lord, just who he is and what he's done rather than God, I need this and do this. And can you give me this? It's like, Lord, I just, if I don't get one more thing in my life, you're enough. So being able to focus on that has helped a lot. I also, okay, love that idea. I do it as well. I have a playlist on my phone and I play worship music every morning. I turn it on while my kids are getting up and they come in and they say good morning and I say good morning to them, but that's always playing. I actually linked it to our Bluetooth and I play it through the whole house while everyone's getting ready in the morning. So everyone wakes up to worship music uh, because here's the thing about depression or anxiety. Sometimes our children are experiencing this as well, and we need to learn to recognize this, and we need to know how to help them through this. And I did recognize this in one of my children who was in a serious car accident a couple of years ago, and this pops up, and I can visually, physically see it now. And so I'm just using the tools that I use for myself, um, scripture, worship music in the morning, talking about things out loud, knowing what triggers them, knowing what calms them. So as a mom, it's good for us, even if this isn't something that pertains to you as a mom, anxiety and depression, these are things to be really acutely aware of when you're raising your children, even when they're small. And I love that God brought me through this for that reason, because I would not have understood this and had the compassion level for my child, this daughter of mine, if I had myself not physically experienced this. So now I have such great compassion and I'm able to help her through it and know what helps. But um, I love this verse, Philippians 4, 8. And I've written this on cards. I shared this in another episode about being overwhelmed. I shared it when we talked about grief. Um, but the verse is finally, brothers, whatsoever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This verse has been the verse that I have had to journal every day. I have in one colored pen, whatever's true. And then I write that day, what is true September? Then on another line, what is honorable? And then for that day, I write, what is honorable? And I go through that list every day that I'm feeling this way. And I have to remind myself of truth because the thing about the mind, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, it convinces ourselves that things are really bad or really dark. And we need something visually in front of us. We need to think it, we need to know it, we need to have it in front of us because sometimes it's hard to believe it. So when we're using this verse, Philippians 4, 8, as a practical tool from God's word and thinking about that list every day, it's, it's in my journal. And I loved Kate's idea about seeking a professional. And here's one more thing. We talk about spiritual tools and things like that. I believe God, and we've shared this on our podcast, gives us friendships as a spiritual counterpart, accountability, edification. The Bible talks about that. Sometimes we forget to include that in our spiritual toolkit. Um, Kate and I, we just went to a conference together and I was with a friend who is very extroverted. She's never dealt with anxiety and depression and she chose the table right up front and when I found out she wanted to sit there, I put up a great fuss and um, she's like, no, no, no. I really want to sit there. But I knew that was going to cause me great anxiety. But Kate happened to be at this conference too. And I knew Kate had dealt with anxiety and I've, you know, we have never really talked about my anxiety, but I knew if Kate could sit there and she was with me and I was having a hard time, I could put my hand on her and I could say, Kate, I got to get up and leave the room or Kate, are you going to have lunch with me? Not because I'm needy. But because 
we need friendships. We need people to say, I'm right here. It's okay. But that's a trigger for me being in the middle, in the front of a big room. And so I think a spiritual tool we have is having friends that understand this and to be able to talk and say, I just need some space. And then they're not wondering, are you okay? They know you're going to be okay. They're going to give you space. You know, as you were sharing September, I was thinking of two things. One, just the idea of being able to minister to our children or even our extended family and our friends, because as scripture says, we will be able to take that pain that we experienced and be able to minister to others in the same way that Christ ministered to us. And that really is one of the blessings of a season of pain is that we can help our children who might one day walk through it. I, I too have a child who can very easily slip into anxiety. And because I walk that road at that same age, I can kind of see those triggers and be able to give this child some tangible tools. I also was thinking of the idea, and I don't know where I read this or came across this, but I read once um, that the mind is like a railroad track. And through your life, you lay down these tracks or these habits, and you actually have to make a new track in your mind, or you'll just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. So in writing down scripture, and in speaking truth to yourself, fixing your eyes on Jesus, you are making a new track in your mind um, and hopefully will be heading in a different direction. But you actually have to do a little bit of the work to make that new track. Otherwise, you're just going to continue to do the same thing. Your mind will continue to go to that same place. And Kate, I know that you spent um, last summer, almost the whole of the summer, laying down some of these tracks. As you were battling anxiety, you were very candid on social media about some of this that you were struggling with. And you actually invited other women into your own healing in hopes that you'd, you'd help them be able to step into healing too. Do you think that's a fair assessment um, to what happened this, this past summer when you invited women to a scripture writing challenge? It is. I mean, I realized more than anything, the word of God was going to get me through and give me strength. I mean, either, either the word is powerful and does what it says it does, or it's not, you know, and I, I just needed it. I knew it was true, but I thought I'm going to just do this for myself and anybody else who wants to join me. I'm a big believer that the spoken word is the creative word. And when we actually speak scripture over ourselves, I'm a, I'm a big believer in speaking it out loud it really helps to bring peace. So I thought, let me do 30 days of scripture writing and memory verses and see what happens. I try to be honest on Instagram, not just always present a curated picture of a perfect life. I mean, I do, you know, cute grandkids and all that stuff, but I, I also want to be honest on there because so much of what we see is not truth. And I know so many women particularly are dealing with anxiety and depression. I figured if I share the challenges that I'm facing, I'm probably going to find others dealing with the same thing. And I, I did. I mean, initially, I probably had 300 people said, yes, I'm in. I'm going to join you. And, you know, as the days go by, that always dwindles down a little bit. But the ones that stuck with it were blessed by it. And they blessed me with the, the suggestions that they had and the things that they shared. Okay, so, so break it down for us. What was the framework of this challenge? And how did you hold yourself and others accountable as each day went on? Well, you know, I got these little three by five cards in different colors, and I just wrote out scriptures on them that spoke to me each day as I'd read the word and go through and think that particular one is really just jumping out at me today. And I would carry them around with me, keep them in my purse when I was having a moment. You know, you get, you, you've gone out shopping, you get back in your car and something's just coming over you. It's like, I'm going to pull those out. I'm going to read them because there's power in the word of God. And I would read them and it would help me to just settle down so I could finish what I'm going to do during the day. I think it's so easy to fall into the trap that being anxious and afraid is just who you are, but that doesn't line up with scripture, doesn't line up with, with, with who God says we are. So I wanted to continually remind myself who God says I am, how he sees me. And whenever I started getting that feeling in my stomach, I'll just pull out that card or those cards, whatever I, you know, whatever day I was on, I would take that one, but all the other ones as well. And just read what it said to remind myself, what does God say about that issue? Because I'm certain that nothing on this earth is more 
potent than the word of God. I mean, when you consider that he spoke the world into the universe into existence with a word, that's how powerful the spoken word is. So when we speak that out over ourselves, it can really, really make a difference. Mm, and something that we don't often recognize is, you know, especially in the area of mental health, it can be real spiritual warfare. And the devil cannot read our minds. So we might be thinking of scripture, but he doesn't know it necessarily. So I think there's real power in saying it out loud. There's power in the word of God. And the devil runs in fear from the word, from the truth, from the name of Jesus. I really encourage my kids when they're in a place of fear and anxiety, don't just think the words in your head. Don't just read the word on the page. Say it out loud. There's power in speaking it out loud. So we're going to link to a lot of the verses that Kate went through during that summer challenge. But Kate, I'm wondering if there was any in particular that you really held firm to and really helped you during that really anxious season. Yeah, there. I mean, there's 30 that I did, but I'll give you a few. Um, September, you were mentioning before Philippians 8, which I love. I have a big picture of that in my dining room. But I love also Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I mean, that's a promise. So we have to take that and apply it. And even if you're not feeling it, keep speaking it out. That was, that's been a big one for me. Of course, Psalm 23, which I won't read because we, we hopefully all know that. Um, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Um, those are two good ones. Another one that, that this one just struck me, and this isn't a, like a real famous scripture, but Psalm 57 verse two and three says, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. And nothing feels like you're being swallowed up more than anxiety and depression. I mean, you just feel like you're being sucked down into a hole. And when I read that, I was like, yes, God, you reproach the one. And who's that one? That's the enemy of our soul. And it says, God shall send forth his mercy and truth. So that's a great one. And another one I prayed all the time, the whole Psalm was Psalm 91. And if you don't know that one, go read it and memorize it. Cause that's a strong warfare song that we can pray. Ephesians six, putting on the armor, all those kind of things that we can do. You know, we, we have to remember that, that there's a spiritual kingdom out there that Jesus and the devil both have a plan for your life. And, you know, I don't want the devil's plan for my life. I want Jesus's plan. But the way I'm going to find that is through prayer, through scripture memory, scripture reading, and through putting on that armor and fighting. We, we have a battle that we're in until the day we die and get to heaven. We're all fighting a battle, whether it's anxiety, whether it's some other thing that you're dealing with. If you're not right now, something's going to come at some point. But also that scripture in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, I won't read the whole thing, but talking about the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So that's to me the whole point. If God's allowed this, that I can bring comfort to somebody else, that this podcast, just what we're talking about can bring comfort to some women out there that are dealing with it and give them some tools, that's worth it to me. I, I'm, you know, if God says, look, you're going to deal with this for the next 10 years. Okay. What, you know, that's fine. If that's, going to help somebody else. I don't want to just be miserable, but I, you know, I mean, I, I can, I can see the purpose in it. Why sometimes God allows something he could easily stop. As you're reading those, Kate, I'm reminded of the fact that those were real people that wrote those yeah. verses. And obviously they were inspired by God, but those were real people suffering the yeah. same hurt and pain and anxiousness that we are. So you can take comfort in that, that solidarity from really great men and women of the faith down through the ages. You're yeah, not I mean, alone. You just read through the Psalms. There is a lot of anxiety and depression in the Psalms. You read um, Isaiah's life and, and um, Elijah and Elisha. I mean, the stuff you really start reading and, and seeing what they're saying, they were dealing with all the stuff we deal with today. So none of this is new. This, these are, you know, old tactics of the enemy that he's been using forever. I think right now, anxiety is sort of the weapon of choice 
because of all the things that things are moving so fast and social media, things that weren't around 30 years ago when I was a young mom are all affecting women today. So, you know, there, there's nothing new under the sun. And if you read, you really read, especially in the Old Testament, there's lots of evidence of this, but also how did they combat it? They thanked the Lord, they worship God, they prayed, all those things that, that those worked then, they still work today. Right. Your perspective really does um, propel change. If you can change, you know, scripture says that we have to be thankful in all circumstances, but it doesn't tell us we have to be thankful for all circumstances. And there really is a big difference. Well, mental health is a complicated and very nuanced issue. We won't begin to assume that we've tackled every angle of it here, but if you are struggling, specifically during the stress of the holiday season, we hope that in some small way, we've shown you that we stand with you. You're not alone and there is help. Anxiety has been my constant companion for many years, but over the years, I've learned that it doesn't have to rule me and it doesn't have to rule you either, friend. Thanks so much for listening today. We don't take lightly your willingness to share just a few minutes of your day with us. The presence of moms like you at this table is so important. In fact, we'd love to see many others pull up a chair here. Would you help us to get the word out? Would you mind just leaving us a quick rating or review on iTunes? iTunes actually bases its search results on positive ratings. So in taking just a minute to do that, you will be helping us to get the podcast in front of moms looking for encouragement, specifically in the realm of anxiety. So here's just how you leave a quick rating from your phone. It takes about 30 seconds. Head on over to the podcast main page on iTunes, scroll down and click the tab that says, write a review. Then you just click the number of stars you'd give the podcast out of a total of five. Feel free to leave a review too if you have the time. Moms want to know what other moms think of this podcast before they invest their time into listening. You know, we're taking the show on the road. In just a few weeks, we'll be heading maybe in your direction with the Great Homeschool Convention. We really encourage you to head on over to their website and check out where you might find us because we'll be traveling along with them all across the country and we'd love to meet you. Thanks so much for listening today.